All right, Luke chapter two, that's where we're heading today and for the next couple of weeks. So go ahead and turn to Luke two. If you're on a device, you wanna go ESV version. Um, and that way you can stay tracking with us word for word. Luke chapter two, start our Advent series last week. We looked at the origin story in some ways of Joseph and Mary and we saw that the Lord brought about his the birth of his son in just a peculiar way. And we're gonna see a theme going through the whole series like that, which is that God does things a little bit differently than we do. He, he, sees, he sees life a little bit differently than we do. And we saw that Joseph and Mary entered into this whole situation about giving birth to Jesus, raising Jesus, beginning their lives together. They did it through an origin of, of scandal and of poverty and ultimately of obedience despite those challenges that they were facing. And it gives testimony to the fact that the Lord is, is calling us to begin with him. The Lord calls us to begin a new story with him when he changes our hearts. And he's also reminding us in that story that it, that it comes at a cost. Um, following Jesus is not just something that we do and then that's when all of the success begins. That's when, you know, all of the prosperity begins. But it's actually that moment when we are giving our lives to the one who gave his life to us. Um, and so we kind of just see the continuation of this story, which is really the, the most astonishing night in the history of the world which we find here in Luke chapter two. And I'm gonna pick up in verse eight. Here's what it says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that's God's word. We're going to stop right there. What we see here is that the Lord delivers the gospel. He delivers the gospel message to a group of super surprised, super unsuspecting shepherds, and it's a message that absolutely undoes them and it changes uh, their lives. I remember, gosh, I was about six years old and it was late at night, which means it was probably about, I don't know, 8.30 and I was in bed. And uh, my dad came and it felt like it was the middle of the night and he woke me up and he said, hey, come on. And I said, what do you mean? I thought I did something wrong. He said, no. He said, come on. He goes, he goes, why don't you and I hop in the car, get dressed, and we'll go catch a late night movie together. And I literally thought I just hit the jackpot of all kid jackpots at that moment, right? I get to go to a late night movie with dad, just me and him. I mean, it felt like, uh, you know, it felt like heaven. And so we get in the car, we get in the van, we're driving to the theater, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, we hear just the most, like, like devilish laugh kind of popping out behind the back, back, back seat, the back row 
of the, uh, of the Econoline passenger van. And you know, it was one of those kind of like evil person from the movie laughs, you know? I don't want to do it because I'll make a fool out of myself, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, ho, 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 you know, like one of those deals. I just made a fool of myself. And, um, and it was none other than my big sister, Kim, who had heard we were doing this. She snuck in the van, she popped up, and ruined father-son time, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, you know, movie, movie time with that. Um, what's amazing is that's the only part of the night I remember after all these years. Um, but it was an unexpected appearance, right? It was something that I was surprised by, and it was something that literally changed the course of my life in as much as that memory then, what's etched in that memory for me was, was her was her appearance, right? And I, and I never forgot it. I'm telling you guys this, you know, 97 years later, right? I never forgot it. Now listen, I say that to point, to point to really a deeper analogy here, which is that if you're saved, it's because Jesus made, at the time, an unexpected appearance in your life. It was unexpected. You heard good news of great joy. That's the gospel. You repented of your sin. You trusted Jesus to be your only salvation. His appearance in your life changed everything for you. And God works like that. We're going to sing this in a minute. We were once lost in darkest night. We thought we knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led us to the grave. But then Jesus appeared and he called you out of the darkness it was unexpected because until God sought you out, you were running from him. You just didn't know it. The surprising plot line in the narrative of your life and my life is that God pursued you, right? Like he pursued these shepherds that we just read about and what we're going to look at this morning. And in that pursuit, they received three unexpected Surprises, and that's what we're going to unpack uh, this morning. The first surprise that the shepherds receive in verse 8 was unexpected glory. The unexpected glory of God. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. These were shepherds who were just minding their own business. They showed up for work during the night shift to keep watch over their flocks. They, they were showing up to do what shepherds do. They were faithful men who were doing mundane work. And I want to go back to a little bit of what we chatted about last week, which is that just like Mary and Joseph, it's astonishing to us that of all the people God could have announced his son's birth to, he, he picks these guys. He picks this not very noteworthy group of shepherds. And to be honest, if, if we just allow ourselves to settle down into that thought for a minute, um, it, it just makes no sense, actually. Um, can, I mean, can you imagine this happening today, an event that changes literally the course of the souls of mankind? And this is what Jesus does, right? I kind of thought of it this way. Imagine Apple getting ready to announce their new iPhone 27 or whatever we're up to at this, at this moment. And the marketing team 
travels to a small group of people camping in the middle of the woods and says, hey, just letting you know the new iPhone just dropped. I mean, imagine that, right? Oh, you don't have an iPhone oh, or social media? Oh, you don't even get reception out here? Um, that's cool. That's just part of our marketing plan. Like, like you think about that and you would be like, we're, we're going to fire. That marketing team is done. They're fired. We got to move on to somebody else. It would make no sense in your mind for that big of an announcement. We're talking about a cell phone to be announced to a group of unsuspecting people camping in the woods. It's the most astonishing thing until you remember that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and that his ways are not our ways. I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know how many times I get into trouble when I'm reflecting on the events of my life because I forget that. Because I forget, I, I seem to think that God thinks like me. I, I forget because I think that God processes like me. That God uh, approaches things emotionally the same way that I do. And he doesn't. Right? So we look at this and we just think, with absolutely no big budget marketing plan, with no social media campaign, no TV spots during the Super Bowl, Right? More people have heard about the announcement of Jesus' birth than probably any other event in history. And God's elaborate marketing plan was a group of shepherds tending sheep at night in the middle of nowhere. So why is all that important? Well, because it changes how we think of what the Lord values most, which should then change what we value most. Maybe some of you think today, I don't understand what God is doing in my life. Like I look around and I see the things that have transpired. Some of them are my fault. Others of those things that are happening to me are, are because people have made decisions that have affected my life. By the way, that's a good question. That's the right question for us to stand back and go, Lord, I don't know what's going on. That song we just sang, Oh God, it's like, a, it's like a big question before God, before we get to the chorus, which is to say, hey, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm not you, but I know you never leave my side. And I know you're with me in the heartbreak as I'm trying to process things in my life that just don't add up, that just don't make sense. And then look what happens next to these brothers. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. How else could they react? I mean, how, how else could they react when, when people in scripture are faced with the glory of the Lord being filled with great fear? It, it's always their response. It's like one for one. Nobody just is confronted with the glory of the Lord and goes, I mean, that's cool, but what are we gonna do next, right? Like it never happens like that. There's always this thing of like, oh no, my knees are knocking, I'm not in a good place, something bad is about to happen. They responded the way people respond when they're faced with the glory of the Lord. When we see something that feels beyond our control or our power, it's actually the healthy, the right thing to do is to be filled with great fear. Melissa used to camp in the mountains in Northern California growing up, and if you've ever been camping in Northern California, um, she would always tell me these stories of, of bears walking right into her camp, 
while she was sitting there by the fire reading, looking for, looking for food, right? I mean, that's code word for, I think we're done camping forever <laughs> for me. Um, but they just kept going year after year. Luckily, she made it, and here we are. Um, what's funny is most of the time, they don't harm you. The, bear, the bears don't harm you, right? But at the same time, you respect those bears, right? You never go up to them, slap them on the back, and say, you know, say, hey, buddy. No, nobody's doing that, right? We respect them because they can do harmful things to us, right? If they so desire, they can, yeah, we'll just leave it at that, right? The shepherds were filled with great fear because the glory surrounding them was enough to undo them. See, when our flesh is confronted with the otherness of God and his glory, our mortality becomes a reality for us. And the best way that I can think of how to, how to understand that is during those moments when we are, for example, we're, we're confronted with the, maybe with the passing of a loved one. Maybe that's you here today and that's been a, a recent reality for you. Or, or, or maybe it happens when sometimes we're, we're, maybe we're out and about and we very narrowly avoid a major accident on the road, for example. But here's what I mean by that, is that in those moments we see how close we are to eternity. We see that there's a very thin line between our life here and the world that is to come. We're actually way closer to it than we're ever uncomfortable thinking that we are. But then we have those moments where we are shown that we are very, very mortal beings, right? And what that does when we are confronted with that eternity, it produces a, a really good and particular kind of humility for us, right? It's kind of like Peter in, in Luke chapter five, verse eight, when Jesus performs this miracle and he says, hey, cast your nets over here and you're gonna catch all these fish and they catch all these fish. And this is what it says, it says, but when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And then remember in uh, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah gets this vision right, of these angels and the glory of God. And it says the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. That would be God. And the house was filled with smoke. And, and Isaiah replies, he says, woe is me for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. So this is something similar that's happening with these shepherds right now. And by the way, it's a good thing to be confronted with God's glory and to be humbled by it. It's a good thing to finally know that you're not all that, right? It's the right place to, to be in. And in fact, we would say that as we grow in spiritual maturity, our awe of God's greatness and glory, part of what manifests and makes up that maturity is, is our awe and our wonder and our fear continues to grow because 
our heart is being enlarged and our eyes of our heart are being opened wider to see just how glorious God is, right? So the shepherds are faced with unexpected glory. Secondly, they're they're faced with unexpected news. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we imagine the shepherds seeing this spectacle having no idea what was going to happen next. And and you wouldn't. You would have no idea what was going to happen next. And then this angel appears. The glory of the Lord surrounds them in a way that isn't really described in too much detail other than that they were filled with great fear like Peter, like Isaiah, when they saw God's glory. And I think the question that's helpful for us to ask is what what would we have expected to happen if we were in this scenario? All of your humanity and your mortality is exposed. In one instance, you see yourself for who you really are. You realize, I need help. You realize, I need mercy because it feels like the end has come. I'm not supposed to see this. I don't have anything for this. Whatever resources I thought I had, they're worthless in this scenario. But instead of meeting your end, you meet your beginning. In fact, you receive a message. You receive unexpected news that unexpectedly changes everything. The angel says, I know you're afraid. Don't fear. Because the news I am bringing you is meant to take away your fear. The fear that comes when your guilt, shame, and sin are exposed in you because that's what God's glory does to us. When we have that moment, when we have that moment, we come, our hearts are regenerated and we come into this saving relationship with Jesus. That's what's happening. The Holy Spirit is exposing our sin and our guilt and our shame. We were confronting God's holiness. And in that moment, we are filled with fear because finally, We see ourselves for who we really are. And this unexpected news that comes to us and that came to the shepherds in this moment is what we call the gospel message. A savior is born in the city of David and he is Christ the Lord. That's the good news. What what does it mean that the gospel is good news? What do we mean? You say gospel, it's the good news. What what does that mean? How should we unpack that? Well, this is what Tim Keller says about it. This is how he defines it. He said the gospel is good news, not good advice. Advice is what we should do. We get a a lot of advice these days, right? News is a report of what was done for us. Jesus does not just bring good news He is the good news, Keller says. So we want to just back back away a little bit here, and we don't want to miss the, the astonishment of this announcement when you think of these shepherds quaking in their boots, if if shepherds wore boots, I don't know, and they're still just standing there and they're 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 visual, they're seeing this spectacle, right? And then the angel reassures them and says, Hey, it's cool. Here's the message that we were sent to give you. 
Again, a group of people that were seen as some of the least significant people in all of society are given the greatest announcement the world has ever received. What does this say to us about the nature of the gospel message? Well, it says that it's a message for the humble. God brings it to those who are not on pedestals, who do not see themselves as worthy and deserving of such a message. It's a message for the humble, and that's what the shepherds were. It's also a message that is meant to remove our fear, right? So sometimes we're, giving, we're given a message, but it doesn't really do much for us. It's like, okay, that's great. I believe that. I see that. How does that affect me? How does it change my life? This is a message that removes fear, the fear that all of us are running in constantly. It removes fear. Thirdly, it's a message to give us great joy, right? It's for the humble. It removes fear. It provides great joy. So in the absence of fear, joy is able to fit in the gap right there, right? The best way I can think about it is, you know, when we get a good medical report, you know, maybe we've been really afraid, we've been suffering through um, some health and some sickness, and we go to the doctor, we get tested, we're very afraid, um, but then we get that good report. So it takes a humble person to admit they're sick, go to the doc, get those tests, and then when those tests come back and we realize there's hope. It's not as bad or there's treatment for this. It removes some of our fear and then that fear is filled with great joy for us and our friends and our family. We were sick and afraid, but good news from the doctor brings joy. And this is the heart. This is like the centrality of the message of the gospel, right? And this is what it brings. This is our third point. This is the surprising thing that it brought to these shepherds, which was unexpected peace. Peace. Glory first, news second. And what came with that glory, what comes with that news is unexpected peace. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Among those with whom he is pleased. So the unexpected appearance and news culminates in a multitude of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And we just want to, again, pause, think of the overwhelmingness surrounding these men. I mean, this, is, this feels like it's all happening in, you know, kind of rapid fire. And you're thinking, again, these are brothers watching sheep at night, something they've done for years. And all of this is surrounding them now. How, how could they take it all in? How would you take it all in? What would they do? What do you do with this? Well, for now, they just needed to be present, right? They just needed to listen because what was being offered to them was peace, was the alleviation of their fears. No condemnation. Do you notice that? No condemnation. No reprimanding. 
no shaming them for, you know, even, even their appearance, right? There was no like, hey, boys, run home, get cleaned up. You know, we have a choir of angels here after all, you know. There was nothing like that. There was nothing in them that said, hey, go fix yourself because I don't know if you noticed, but we got a, we got a thing going on here and then come back in when you're ready. It's the way that God pursues us, right? We see it here in how he came to these shepherds and they just listen. And what they learn is that there is the offering of peace to those for whom God is pleased. What is this peace? How do we describe, how do we define this peace? Well, it's more of a who than a what. The book of Micah in the Old Testament, chapter five says, prophesying about Christ's birth says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. Shepherds are secure right now. For he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So right here we see that what was prophesied, what God was going to offer, is being made manifest to the shepherds as an introduction to the world. Unexpected peace. And even right here, the way it's phrased, we see a, a bit of a qualification. Super important qualification, by the way. We don't say the angel saying, we don't see the angel saying, peace among all people, right? Period. The condition for God's peace, and there is a condition, is that God must be pleased with those he offers it to. So then the question for us then is, what pleases God? What then can please God? Only one person. His name is Jesus. Jesus pleases God because Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience before God. So we can't please God unless we have faith in Jesus because without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We read that in Hebrews chapter 11. So faith in Jesus is how God becomes pleased with you and with me. It's astonishing. If you take an honest look at your life this morning, you will see that there is a message that God keeps speaking to you over and over and over again, and it's this. It's this message. You will likely see that he's been showing up in the most unexpected places and ways. If you can back up a little bit and open your eyes to what God might be doing. He keeps surrounding you with other Christians, with other people. He keeps turning your thoughts back to Jesus. He keeps putting you in places where for some reason, whatever it is, whether it's something you read, whether it's a sermon you've heard, you keep coming back to the person of Jesus and it's nagging at you. It might even be annoying you. It might be agitating you in some ways. But what you'll find is that God keeps approaching you with his, with his glory and it's exposing the very thing in your life that's keeping you 
from him. And the question for us, wherever we're at with Jesus today, is will we respond like these shepherds? Will we, will we listen? Will we be led? Will we lower ourselves? Will we receive the glory of God and what comes with it, which is the absence of fear and the manifestation of peace? Here's what I want to ask you all this morning as we close is will you stop looking at your life as a series of random dumb luck circumstances and see that God is doing something. He's doing something to draw your attention to Jesus so that you can receive the peace that Jesus has. That's for you if you've never received Jesus, if Jesus is not your Savior and Lord. That's for you if you have. That's a well that we keep going back to and draw from. That's the water that we need to drink. That's the thing that we're thirsty for. That's the thing that we hunger for. That's the thing that we long for. Will you let go of all the things you think you have control over, but in reality are just controlling you? Because like these shepherds, the glory of the Lord is shining around you. And it should fill you with great fear when you consider your life. But there is peace for you and me when we humble ourselves and listen and become awestruck before the Lord. I'm gonna gonna pray a little bit of a longer prayer right now. I want us just to bow our heads. I want to ask the Lord that, that he would reveal his glory to us. And again, not in a way we're expecting a, uh, a choir of angels to pop up on the stage. We don't even have a choir of humans at this church. Um, but in a way that he would reveal his majesty and his glory through his love, through his sacrifice that he made on the cross so that we respond to him, maybe for the first time, or maybe in a way that needs to be renewed in our hearts and lives because we're just like a, we're like a butter knife, right? We're like a butter knife in this world. And we've, we've lost, we've lost some of that freshness and vitality in our lives. So would you bow your heads as I open our lives up to the Lord? And so Lord, we just pray that it's such a difficult prayer for us, Lord. We, we read about this astonishing night in the life of these shepherds. And we think, well, that's something in the past. That's something that I didn't have the benefit of seeing. And yet, this is a, this really is a, a model and a shadow. It's the substance of what you do in all of our hearts, Lord. You surround us with your glory. You expose our sin. You make us see you for who you really are and see ourselves for who we really are. And you humble us in that place. And then you enter into our lives. And we're never the same, just like we're going to see these men and how they responded over the next couple of weeks. Lord, I pray for those who are just stuck right now 
Um, it's hard for them to understand what it is that you offer. And it's not church, and it's not just being part of something that leads to a healthier life or a better life or a more fulfilled life. But Lord, would you show them and show us that what you're offering is not a better life, but a person, a savior. You are offering none other than Jesus Christ to us and his righteousness. And Lord, when we receive him, all these other things are added to us slowly, painfully over time. But Jesus is the way that we know life as it was meant to be. Jesus is the way that we understand your glory, Lord. So for somebody that is just struggling with that and it just feels like they're giving up too much and it feels like they have to conform to a system that feels strange or maybe something they've had a really bad experience with in the past, Lord, would you allow them to see that Jesus is the answer to those doubts and those questions and those unresolved things and that there is a church family to walk through them with those things and that you are a God who is slow and patient and altogether merciful. Lord, would you reveal yourself to those who have been walking in darkness and need the light and see that today? And Lord, for those who have already come out of the darkness and into the light, Lord, and we've become dull and we've our, our minds are just filled with so many other things, distractions and stresses and worries and woundedness. Lord, I pray that as we continue to go through the story, as the Christmas season is just upon us and it's, just, it's, in, it's at full volume right now for us, Lord, I pray that you would break through the noise and Lord, you would remind us of the beauty of Christ, the humbleness of of Jesus and how all you require of us is to see our need of you and you will lift us up. I pray that you'd give some of us courage today to approach you, to be honest about our sin, to be able to repent to you, to find healing, to find the courage to speak to some people who will listen and who will become a friend and who will help walk through some of these valleys that they find themselves in. Lord, we know that you pursue us and you don't do it because there's anything great about us, but you come to us and you draw us near and you make your home with us. So Lord, in all of that, we pray for Christ. We pray that he would be our everything. He would be our all, that you would give us a refreshment and a renewed heart of love for Jesus today as we seek him, as we trust him, as we remember him, and as we receive mercy, grace, compassion, and forgiveness from him once again today. And we ask all these things in his name. Amen.